The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Appreciate you standing. And uh, we're kind of going to go back and forth uh, between uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6 and Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we'll look at those things together. But if I can just have you for a few moments tonight, I know that perhaps your day has been long and maybe you're a little tired and uh, whatever it is. But uh, we've got to discipline ourselves and just listen tonight. And I'll do my best to uh, be in my time and make sure that uh, I say what I believe the Lord would have me to say tonight. When it comes to the will of God, knowing and obeying the will of God can't be half-hearted uh, as an endeavor on our part. We can't be, you know, I'm going to, uh, I, I know the will of God, but I'm not so sure whether I want to obey all of the uh, will of God. It's not a hobby that we indulge in uh, and when there's an emergency or when we feel like it. Sometimes uh, people tend to uh, be more Christian in their lives when there's emergencies. You know, uh, uh, there's something that comes up. I need something. I need my prayers answered. And so uh, I become more Christian in my life or more committed in areas. And then uh, sometimes people seem that I don't need my Christianity anymore. I don't seem to need uh, to have a walk with God. I should, just can just kind of put him back on the shelf. And uh, we kind of have that little child mentality. You know that song they used to sing? I wish I had a little white box to put my Jesus in. I'd take him out and, and put him back again and put him away. That's not really the, the kind of Christ that uh, we want to worship as Christians. He doesn't go in the box. He doesn't get put away. Uh, he's the one that is the center, the focal point of the Christian's lives. And uh, there is no time that we don't need Christ. There is no time that we don't need his direction. There's no time that we don't need his understanding. Uh, let me say this. There is no decision too small in the life of a Christian. Because if there was, God wouldn't tell us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. He said every decision, every way, every, uh, every choice that you make, please uh, be sure to acknowledge uh, your Lord, your Savior. Uh, it, it's important that we do that. Uh, how many have children tonight and you understand uh, how that you've taught your children before they do something to check with you first? Why are you doing that? Uh, is it because you don't trust their judgment? Well, partially. Uh, on some issues, maybe, uh, and uh, maybe uh, it's not so wise to uh, jump off the roof into the pool, you know, uh, maybe it, it's not so wise to uh, uh, turn the backflip or to hit your sister with a plastic baseball bat, even though it's just plastic and it probably won't kill her, it's probably not so wise uh, to do those things, and so uh, you usually tell them, hey, before you do something, before you go somewhere, uh, before, you, uh, before you make a decision on this, Make sure you check with me. And what are you saying? Well, I trust my judgment more than I trust your judgment. In other words, you've lived life. You've had experiences they don't have. You have knowledge that they don't have. You have understanding uh, that they don't have. And so by being a good parent, you're saying that uh, you want them to be wise. And somebody that's wise is going to check with someone who's been there and done that before they go headlong into something and, and hurt themselves or hurt someone else. And uh, by the way, uh, let me say this, God is all-wise. God is all-knowing. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that's hidden from His eyes. Uh, There's no result that He is uh, surprised at. And so when it comes to your life, it would do all all of us well uh, for us to check with God before we make a decision. Uh, I believe that often, just like children, when do your children not check with you? When they know what your answer will be. That is usually when they don't check with you. 
Because if I want to uh, jump off the roof into the swimming pool, uh, and I know that my father or mother's going to say, no, don't do that, that's not a good decision. It's, uh, you know, this idea of it's, it's easier to say I'm sorry than to ask permission, right? It's easier to say I'm sorry that I did that and, and, and go ahead and do that. But that's not the truth in the Christian life, because let me share this with you. It is not easier in the Christian life to say I'm sorry than to ask for permission. Because uh, when we disobey God, the consequences of them are very high. Uh, It's uh, very uh, costly uh, in the life of a Christian for us to disobey the Lord. Uh, This idea, and some Christians actually seem to live their lives like this, it's easier to say, I'm sorry, than to ask for for permission. In other words, they kind of say, well, I've kind of got a free ticket that God will always forgive me no matter what I do, and so I can just go ahead and do it. And when I get done doing it, I can just go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was a mistake, and I shouldn't have done it. But God, I'm sorry. And uh, just like you would know your child's uh, being disingenuous in that that state, uh, you also would be being disingenuous to God in your apology. Because sometimes we do things that we know we shouldn't do. Come on, you with me tonight? Anybody do anything that you know you shouldn't do? I mean, you just know uh, that you shouldn't do it. Uh, this morning, uh, I was driving and uh, had my phone in my hand, and I know that I shouldn't do that. Come on, you with me? You, don't be a hypocrite now. You've done it, all right? So uh, I knew, knew that I shouldn't do that. Now, uh, I was there, and I had just got a coffee, and uh, I put it there in the cup holder. My daughter's with me, and I had the phone in my hand, and someone had uh, called me, and I was kind of checking it as I was... You know, I was multitasking. Come on, we're getting a lot of things done. And I knew that I shouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, in the back of my mind, I had this little voice that says, you shouldn't be doing that. Put that away. Put that, you know, concentrate on what you're doing. Because it's never worth it, is it? It wouldn't be worth it to have an accident. It wouldn't be worth it. So as I'm uh, coming out of the parking lot, I still, even though I knew that I shouldn't be doing it, I'm coming out of the parking lot and I still haven't put my phone down. I make the turn and, of course, that coffee's in my cup holder uh, landed in my lap. And I hadn't even drank any of it yet. It was nice and piping hot. And uh, it felt wonderful as it rolled down my uh, pant leg into my shoe and all over the floor. And, uh, and my daughter said next to me, she said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. You know, it feels great, you know, and just needed that pick me up this morning. I didn't think my coffee was going to wake me up that much. Uh, and, uh, but it really did. It did its number on me. And I didn't have time to uh, come back in, uh, go back home and change. And so I kind of smelled, uh, I smelled of the aroma of coffee this morning while I taught and preached. And maybe you didn't catch on to that, but I I had to change my suit this afternoon uh, because of that. But, you know, sometimes we do things that we should not do, even though we know that we shouldn't do it. You know, there's times that, you know, the Lord says to you before you make a decision, He says, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't do that. You You shouldn't be doing that. And the still small voice of the Lord, remember, it's not the cricket on your shoulder. It's not Jiminy Cricket, let always let your conscience be your guide. As a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit in your heart that's in this still small voice saying, this is not a good choice. This is not a good decision. How many know sometimes in the Christian life, you're really not choosing between something that's terrible uh, and something that's good. You're choosing between what's good and what's best. Uh, in the life of a Christian, sometimes God says no because it's not his best. It's not that what you're about to do is some horrible sin. It's that what you're about to do is not God's best. And I, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I desire God's best. 
I want God's best for my life. Uh, as a good uh, parent, don't you want best, what's best for your children? Uh, uh, as a youth pastor, I had a conversation, uh, and we were in the inner city in the ministry for probably about eight, eight, seven or eight years, and I had a conversation with some parents, and they were having uh, some trouble with their teenagers, and I, I just asked them the question. I said this. I said, what are your goals for your kids? I'm just curious. What are your goals uh, for your children? And, uh, and uh, the, the parent said this, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was trying to be a witness because one of the parents was lost, and, and uh, they said, well, I just hope that uh, they, they stay off drugs, and they, they don't go to jail, and uh, they, they stay out of trouble, and you know, they, they don't hang on the corners and get involved in gangs and stuff like that. And I said, well, those are some good goals, but don't you think that's a little low? I mean, don't, don't, as a parent, don't you think that uh, we, we would have some higher goals other than I hope they don't do drugs? Don't you think as a parent we'd have some higher goals other than I hope that they don't go to jail? Uh, I, I hope so. Maybe, maybe for some, you're, God just, you're really praying that about some of your kids, all right? Uh, I used to tease it. Tease the teenagers that I would visit them in prison when they, uh, that I would do unto them the least of these, my brethren. When they were in prison, I would come and visit them. Uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes we have this uh, idea, we have these low goals. But think about this. God is our Heavenly Father. What do you think His goals for you look like? I mean, what do you think His thoughts of, uh, for you? The Bible says it's an expected end. The Bible says it's thoughts of peace. Uh, God has uh, some great thoughts. He has some great goals. Uh, he has some great desires for you. And sometimes I think just like our children's desires don't match up with our desires, I think our desires don't match up with God's desires. you with me tonight? And God says, uh, you need to listen to me because I've got something better for you than what you could even imagine. It is above all that you could even ask or think. It's exceeding. It's abundantly above. all. It's, it's beyond your wildest dreams. This afternoon, uh, my, my, my youngest daughter, my wife's home taking care of her, and, and uh, she, she hates missing church. And so I know that. I sent her the message. Uh, I, said, I said, I love you, and I'm sorry that you had to miss church tonight, but thank you for being a faithful mother. And uh, she said, I needed that because I was feeling bad that I wasn't in church. And, you know, uh, as I uh, was there this afternoon and, uh, we kind of laid down for a little rest, and I, I just, I'm not one for naps, and so while I'm there, I'm just kind of with my wife, and I, I just p- was praying, you know, and I just said, God, I'm thankful that you have better thoughts than I had for myself, because when I was young, I never thought that I'd marry a woman like this. God, when I was young, I never thought I'd have a family like this. God, I, I never had, the in, beyond my wildest dreams, I didn't think that I'd be I'm so happily married and have a wonderful family. God, I, I'm so blessed, but I'm glad that uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I listened to someone who told me to wait for God's best, to uh, wait for God's perfect plan and not to shortchange myself and sell myself short. Because you understand, just one single selfish sin and all of that could be forfeited. Are you with me tonight? One wrong decision and all of that could be gone. Uh, one simple, uh, small, even small, minute decision, perhaps in the uh, grand scheme of things in this world, and perhaps it wouldn't even been looked down on in the world that we live in, but the truth of the matter is, is I would, I would, I would not trade anything for knowing that I'm in God's perfect will. And I know that I'm not perfect myself, but I know His will is perfect. 
And he has the best for us all, doesn't he? And it does well for us to constantly go back and say, God, I would have messed this thing up, but, but for your grace. God, I would have destroyed this, but for your mercy in my life. And uh, here, uh, it, when, we, when it comes to the Christian life, often I think Christians are too flippant. They're almost like uh, uh, they go into a cafeteria and they want to pick and choose what they want to eat uh, from the Lord's table. Instead of just letting God prepare for them the perfect meal he has uh, for them. And feasting on what God has for them. Often I, I look at Christians and you can see them. And it's our nature, isn't it? Just to not be content with what we have. It's our nature to look to someone else and say, I wonder what it would be like if I had that. I wonder what it would be like if I made this decision. Listen tonight, uh, be content if you're in the center of God's will. Don't sell, buy the truth and sell it not. You know, don't sell, uh, don't shortchange yourself in the blessings of God. You know, think of... Um, I think of Esau, who sold his birthright. He sold the blessings of God, what? For a temporal appetite, for something small. He sold it for a a bowl of pottage. I mean, you think about that. Jacob uh, made him a bowl of stew, and he gave up his blessing. He gave up his birthright. And some Christians, they sell God's will uh, for their life uh, so cheaply. God wants us to trust in him with all our hearts, And God wants us to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Knowing and doing the will of God isn't a spiritual technique that we use occasionally. It's a committed lifestyle that involves everything that we do. I think some people are like, well, what's this? What's the key? What's the technique uh, uh, for doing this thing, this uh, this mysterious uh, will of God? It's commitment. It's me saying that I'm committed to being obedient to the Word of God and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's the key. And boy, it, it, sometimes that's difficult, isn't it? Because just like we know when mom and dad was going to say no and we didn't want to ask, sometimes we don't want to crack this open because we know it's going to say no. Because we know what it says, if you would. We know when we open it up that uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to counter, uh, go against what we want to do. And God says, well, what do you want? Do you want what I want for you, or do you want what you want for you? And uh, boy, that's a struggle, isn't it? Because we have to say no to our flesh. We have to quiet it. We have to say, be quiet. Uh, I want to do what God wants for me. And if you don't learn to, come on, the Bible says, casting down every uh, uh, thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does that tell us? That our thoughts, our minds, our conscience is going to sometimes contradict uh, God's will. And it takes commitment to do what God wants. It takes commitment. Come on. Any successful relationship is based on commitment, is it not? Any successful relationship. If you're not committed, you're going to have problems. Because a commitment is that I'm going to stay true despite the circumstances. Isn't that what we say at the altar? For better or for what? For worse. What are we acknowledging there? That there's going to be a worse. For richer or for what? Poor. It doesn't necessarily mean rich and poor. It means richer than you are then and poorer than you are now. That's what it literally means. It It says in sickness and in what? Health. Poverty and wealth. Till death do us part. It's a commitment, isn't it? And the Christian life is based on a commitment. 
Let me say this. God never, never, never goes back on his commitments. And uh, we should never go back on our commitments to God either. Uh, When you open your mouth up unto the Lord, you shouldn't go back. When you say something to God, you should hold to your commitment, your word uh, with the Lord. Uh, Successful athletes make uh, winning their full-time pursuit. It shows up in the way they eat. It shows up in the way they sleep. It shows up in the way they exercise. It shows up in the way they relate to their coaches and their teammates. Uh, The word for this is what? It's commitment. I'm committed to this, and I know it's going to change the way I live my life, but I'm committed to it. And commitment involves what? Obedience, doesn't it? Commitment involves obedience. Boy, that's a tough one for us to swallow because somewhere along the way, uh, we thought when we hit some magic age number that obedience would go away. You ever hear somebody, when I'm 18, did you ever say that? Maybe it was a different number, whatever the number was. Listen, there's no number of age where we have to stop obeying. Obedience is the way to live the Christian life. It takes commitment to do that. Um, Obedience, if I'm committed to obedience, even when I don't feel like doing something, I will do it because I'm committed to it. The will of God isn't a curiosity for us to study. It's a command for us to obey. Did you get that? The will of God is not a curiosity for us to study. It is a command for us to obey. God isn't obligated to reveal His will unless we're willing to do it. A lot of people say, I wish I knew, I wish God would direct me. Well, perhaps what you need to do is is come to God and surrender your heart to Him first. Maybe you have not, listen, maybe you have not, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Maybe there's not been a time in your Christian life where you came to God and said, God, this is me, and it's all yours, all of it. It belongs to you. God, my body and my spirit. God, who I am belongs to you, and I'll do with my body, and I'll do with my heart, and I'll do with my mind what is pleasing to you. And I am presenting myself. Come on, isn't that what Paul begged his brethren to do? He said, listen, brethren, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, present yourself, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He called it what? Our reasonable service. F.W. Robertson said this, obedience is the organ of spiritual knowledge. Before I can prove by experience what God's will is, look at Romans chapter 12 if you're not there. Notice in verse number 2, it says in the back half that ye may what? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Before I can prove by experience what God's will is and discover that it's good and acceptable and perfect, Come on, I, Paul is speaking from experience here, I believe. He's saying, I've, I've, I've understood that God's will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. I've heard different messages from this passage. I've even heard uh, people describe uh, the will of God as being, uh, there's the good will, there's the acceptable will, and there's the perfect will. But I know English, and English tells me that these are adjectives describing one will. In other words, it's not... 
It's not that God is saying there's three wills and if you miss one, you can get another one. If you miss that one, you can get another one. It's saying God's will is a singular thing. And God's will is done, can I say this? God's will is done with or without you and I. God wants to do His will through us. But He is not obligated to use someone who doesn't make themselves available to Him. Um, I've had people come and... uh, they say, Pastor, I'd like to help. I say, well, that's wonderful. It was interesting this morning. I mentioned about uh, the, uh, if you don't like uh, uh, the Easter egg thing, you can stand in the corner and, and look upset. And Brother Rogers uh, Sr. came in the back. He said, I'd like to volunteer for something. I said, okay. He said, I'd like the job of standing in the corner and, and looking miserable while everybody uh, does that. I said, wonderful. Now no one else can have that job. So it's already filled. And that's the conversation we always have in the back door, something like that. But I appreciated him uh, and what he was saying. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes I've had people come and say, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to be used of God. And I say, okay, when are you available? Well, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't Monday, I'm Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, I just, well, will you be here next? I'm not really sure I'll be here Sunday um, will you be here, you know, this, I'm not, I, you know what, I'll get back to you. But can I have a job? Listen to me, what employer would hire you if you came to him and he said, what is your availability? And you said, it's, it's, it's flexible. Well, that would be good if you're saying to him, I'll do whatever you'd like me to do, I'm flexible. But if, it, if you're saying, basically, I can make no commitment to this job, i just like to have a job. Now, if, you're, if you have a job, you know that's not going to fly. Because when your boss says, be here at this time, and you're not here at this time, then he starts to scratch his head and wonder how committed you are to keeping that job. And the truth of the matter is, is everything in life that really matters takes commitment, doesn't it? But somewhere along the way, because we live underneath this grace that we sometimes, we turn really into lasciviousness where we think, we can just kind of be loose with God and just say, you know, God, I'll just show up. You know, I'll be around. I'll be. Listen, present your body a living sacrifice. God, whenever, however, whatever you want, I am, I am committed to. And I will do it. And if you call on me, I'll show up. You can count on me. I'll be there. And uh, you won't have to wonder whether the job will get done. God, it'll get done. Now, I dare say that if you had an employer and you said that to your boss, I think that would probably make him smile a little bit. That's good. And uh, maybe he'll put that to the test. And sometimes I believe that that's part of the proving, isn't it? That we've got to prove it. We've got to show it in the way that we live our lives. But before I can prove by experience what God's will is and discover that His will is good and acceptable and perfect... I've got to give him my body. I've got to give him my mind. I've got to give him my will. It's a total commitment of my total being. When you got saved, how much of God did you get? All of him. Did he hold back on you? Did he he say, I'll just give you a little bit of my time? No, God said, you have all of me. Listen, the day that God gets all of you is the day you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
Because the truth of the matter is, is when you got saved, you got all of God. But when you get filled, you, God has all of you. It's when you are surrendered all of yourself to God. And I think sometimes they say, well, what does it mean to be filled with God's Spirit? And I think even Christians, they really stumble on this. Like, this is some kind of secret special sauce that nobody's going to figure out in the Christian life. To have the filling of God's Spirit is just to come to God every day and say, God, you have all of me. There's nothing between me and you. My, my uh, sins are all confessed. I'm not holding on to anything. God, I, I'm not bitter at anybody. I have uh, asked for forgiveness to those that I need to ask for forgiveness, and I have forgiven those that have wronged me. There's nothing between me and you, and there's nothing between me and anyone else. And God, you have my undivided attention and all that I am. Listen, God can fill that. And he will fill that. And he will use that. They say the greatest ability is availability. Because you can have someone that has all the talents and all the giftedness and all the, all the, I mean, all the potential, you know. Uh, isn't it amazing sometimes how in school uh, those that have been deemed most likely to succeed often don't. Those that have been deemed most popular or on some kind of level, they often don't. They often work for the ones they made fun of in school. The truth of the matter is, is sometimes we have this low level of what we think is popularity, what we think is prestige, and God says, listen, the greatest is a servant. The greatest person in the kingdom of God is a servant of all, the Bible says. If I'm to be a servant of all, then I must surrender all. If I am to be a servant of the Lord, I must be fully committed. Now, here's the challenge tonight, because if that is what this is all about, the challenge is that if you have not done that, the first step to doing the will of God is you coming and saying, God, I'm presenting my body, I'm presenting myself before you, and I want to be whatever it is you want me to be. I am 100% surrendered to you. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? Because that means laying aside everything you know doesn't belong right now. That, that means uh, total surrender means there's, there's nothing in my life that I want to hold on to more than I want to hold on to you, God. There's nothing I want to change. It's, it's, it's a once-for-all presentation. But let me say this, it needs to be renewed daily as we meet with the Lord in worship and in prayer. That word in, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 6, acknowledge, it carries with it the idea of, of an intimate communion. It's used to describe a marriage relationship. It's the same word you find in Genesis 4, 1 and 19, 8. It's used to describe a marriage relationship. That's what that word acknowledge is used for in the Word of God. God is not just saying, God, I know you're there. It's a kind of acknowledgement that a husband and wife expect of one another in the decisions of life. Listen, uh, husband, what kind of acknowledgement do you expect from your wife when she makes decisions? Don't her decisions affect you? Listen, husband, uh, listen, wives, what kind of acknowledgement do you expect from your husband when he makes a decision? Doesn't his decisions affect you? 
I mean, all the decisions of life, they affect us, don't we? If, if they don't affect us, why is it that there's been so many marital disputes and fights over these, these decisions that have been made? A lot of times it's a decision that was made apart from the other, wasn't it? It's where one spouse decided to make a decision and they left their acknowledgement out for, the, for the, the one that they're supposed to be committed to. When I'm in a committed relationship, I'm committed to acknowledging the person that I'm in a relationship with. It's the same word that we find there that God is asking for. So we see the kind of commitment that God is demanding from us. He's demanding a commitment that we make. Listen, if you got married, you know when, you know where, you know the date. You maybe remember, hopefully remember it. You know, but here's the thing. You remember making the decision, right? But good marriages are not built on just one-time decisions, are they? They're built because every day I continue to make the same decision. I get up tomorrow, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and health, and poverty and wealth, to death do us part. The next day, the same acknowledgement. I go to buy something or do something, the acknowledgement is, hey, this decision is going to affect the one I'm committed to. That's the kind of acknowledgement that God wants. It's in all of our ways, acknowledge Him. It's in everything that we do. God wants us to trust Him with all of our heart. But that kind of trust takes commitment, doesn't it? And that's what God wants from us. And what do we have to do in order to make that kind of decision? We have to quiet all the psychology, all the self-help, all the, 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 the cosmos, all the magazines, all the articles that we've read that, that are really uh, advice apart from God. And we have to say, I'm going to quiet all of that and I'm going to listen to what God wants. I'm going to be committed to this, walking with the Lord. If you've not made the commitment, let me, let me share this with you. The day you got saved was the day you were supposed to make that commitment. When you came to the cross, you came dead. You had nothing to bring to God. You had nothing to offer Him. He offered you eternal life. But you had nothing to give in exchange for it. It was a gift of God. It wasn't of works. And God gave that to you. And in essence, what He did is He bought you back. You were enslaved... You were of your father, the devil. You were in slavery to him and your sin. And Christ purchased your ransom. He paid for you. And that's why he says this. Ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Because why? Because they belong to God. They're God's. And when we go through this Christian life making decisions like it doesn't matter what God thinks, like it doesn't matter what God's Word says, we're not truly committed to the Lord. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Get this, it's just your reasonable service. He didn't say this is next level Christianity. He said, this is reasonable Christianity. This just makes sense.
Because anything less than that is not Christianity. God says, you've got to trust me with all your heart. And you've got to in all your ways acknowledge me. That's the kind of commitment he has to us. Where's your commitment with him tonight? Father, I pray. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.